And uh, I want to say thank you for braving the, the snowstorm this morning. Um, I don't know if you uh, were slipping and sliding all the way in. And I also want to say thanks to those of you. I don't know if some of you are here this morning and you've been maybe plowing snow all night. Uh, I know a couple of my buddies have been out all night long plowing snow and just, uh, man, grateful for the work that those guys do, um, keeping those roads clear. And I just wanted to express appreciation for that. Um, we are in part two of a series that we are calling Joy to the World. And before we uh, jump into the message this morning, I, I wanted to just remind us that uh, on December 1st, we started a 31-day challenge. And, and this was a challenge um, for each of us to spend 31 days, the entire month of December, in the Scriptures. Um, every day, whether you're a morning person, an afternoon person, or a night owl, you, you find a time during the day to open up God's Word and allow God to speak to you through his word. And so I just wanted to remind you of that 31 day challenge. If you're here this morning, and you're like, hey, we're almost like halfway through December. I didn't take the challenge. You're, you, it's okay. All right. You can um, start reading God's word today and finish out the month of December. And we're hoping that you'll continue on into 2021, spending time with God on a daily basis. But we believe that God's word is powerful, that God's word is fresh, that um, when he um, speaks to you, your life will be changed. And so we encourage you to take that 31-day challenge. If you're watching online, there's a link that you can click right now that um, you can actually see some 31-day reading plans, and we uh, highly recommend that uh, you take advantage of that as well. Also wanted to remind you that this Christmas Eve, we're going to be having three Christmas Eve services, one at 2, uh, one at 3.30 p.m., and one at 5 p.m., and so we want to invite you all to uh, come to one of those Christmas Eve services. We are asking that you register um, for those services, but we're going to be celebrating um, the, the coming of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And just like we sang about, Emmanuel, I was standing here, and when I was singing, I was thinking about God is with us now. God is not quarantined, okay? Um, and He never will be. Um, he is with you. And he is with you right now. And, and that is something that really brings joy and brings peace and brings hope. And we're going to celebrate that reality on Christmas Eve. And so I want to invite all of you to come. We're also going to have um, online, all three of those services are going to be online this Christmas Eve as well. So I um, want to remind you that we're going to be taking the hope offering um, this Christmas Eve. And we've done this the past few years. And our goal this year is to raise $40,000, and all of that money goes uh, to meet people's needs inside and outside of Grace Church. And uh, so uh, this has been a wonderful opportunity for us to, um, you know, we don't, we don't we, um, look at it as um, anything but an opportunity. Like, these are opportunities that God has given us to meet people in a dark day where maybe they're having um, a really tough season, and we can actually come into a dark day and bring some light and bring some hope. That's why we call it the hope offering. And so I just want to encourage you to, man, pray and ask God what you would um, like as a family or as individuals to give to that. But we're going to be taking that offering on Christmas Eve. Last week, we were in part one of this series called Joy to the World. And we, we talked about a dilemma, if you remember uh, we, we talked about the story of the Red Sea, and we learned that oftentimes faith in the power of God is experienced in the midst of a dilemma. Oftentimes we're right in the middle of a hardship or a dilemma, and that's when we see God's power demonstrated or God's power evidenced. 
a situation that you look to the left, you look to the right, you look in front of you, you look behind you, and there's just no good answer. There's no way out of the situation that you're in. That's what we were calling a dilemma. And it's in those times, and sometimes we learned last week that God will actually lead us to a dilemma so that He can demonstrate His power, so that He can make a way where there seems to be no way. And the glory and the evidence all goes back to God to say, wow, only God could have done that. Only God could have made that possible. And He's done that not only at the Red Sea, but He's done that throughout all of history in people's lives, making a way where there seems to be no way. Today, we're in part two of the series called Joy to the World. And the reality is, is, is Jesus is the joy of our world. I mean, I, I personally, I can't fathom, I can't understand, I, I don't know if I could function without Jesus Christ. I mean, without Jesus Christ, we would be hopeless, we would be helpless, we would be void of any love or goodness. But because of Jesus, we can truly experience joy in a broken world. We can truly live it out. We can truly experience it and encounter it. And this Christmas season, we're going to be reminded afresh that Jesus is the one who brought joy to the world. And um, what we've been uh, trying to focus on is if this is true, okay, if Jesus really is the Savior of the world, if Jesus really is the light of the world. If Jesus is the one that brings hope to the world, then why wouldn't we share it with everyone? Why wouldn't we take that good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and take it to the ends of the earth? Why wouldn't we take the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone that we encounter? And so what we're doing in this series is we're actually unpacking one verse. And this one verse has instructed, it's guided many, many churches in their efforts to bring joy to this world that's hurting, this world that's broken. And the verse that we've been unpacking is found in the book of Acts, and it was written, uh, most of it was written by Luke the Apostle. And it's Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And I want to remind you of the context of this verse, okay? When Jesus is speaking these words, He's actually standing in front of about 500 eyewitnesses. 500 people who are looking at a man who, just a little bit uh, prior to that, this moment, had been brutally put to death. He was hanging on a cross. He died on that cross. He was taken off the cross. He was put into a tomb. He was buried for three days. And then he rose again, conquering death hell, Satan, and the grave. And this man, Jesus Christ, is standing in front of about 500 people when he speaks these words. And so they're looking at the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, a man who has conquered death. And Jesus says this in Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, he says, after I go back to heaven, because he was going to ascend back up to heaven to be with his Father, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now the beautiful thing about this is, um, in Jesus' ministry, Jesus could really only be at one place at one time, 
But he says, when I ascend to my Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who will be able to be everywhere. He will be in the hearts and lives of everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will indwell you, will be in your life. He says, you will receive power. We talked about what that power kind of looks like last week when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Let's talk about a witness for just a moment. Remember, a witness is someone who has seen, someone who has heard, or someone who has experienced something, and then they testify or they share about what they have seen, what they have heard, and what they have experienced. That's a witness. So the reality is, is you cannot truthfully testify or witness about something you have not seen, heard, or experienced. You will receive power. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. And then Jesus says, in Jerusalem. He goes on to say, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But he starts by saying, in Jerusalem. Why would he say that? Let's stop right there and let's talk about what that means when Jesus says, in Jerusalem. When Jesus says, in Jerusalem, he's giving reference to their locality. Like they are currently in Jerusalem. So he says, the Holy Spirit's going to indwell your life when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, in myself, Jesus, in the Holy Spirit's going to give you power and you're going to be witnesses right where you're at in Jerusalem, locally. He says you're going to be witnesses and telling people about me everywhere here locally in Jerusalem, throughout this region, throughout this country, and to the ends of the earth. But he starts with Jerusalem. This is what we refer to here at Grace Church as local missions. This is the idea of local missions. Missions. If, if Jesus was actually standing here today and he was saying the same thing to you and I, it would go something like this. He would say, you're going to be telling people about me everywhere. In Durango, La Plata County, in the state of Colorado, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. So once again, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Durango and Bayfield, in La Plata County, state of Colorado, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. Let's start with a question this morning, okay? I want to present a question to you, and the question is this. What have you personally seen What have you personally experienced in your walk with God? Now, now this is directed to you, okay? Not the person sitting next to you or behind you or in front of you, but I'm talking to you, okay? What have you personally seen? What have you personally experienced in your walk with God? And Jesus is telling us to testify or to witness, or to share about the things that He has done in our lives. 
to witness about that, to testify about that. You see, the light of Jesus should shine everywhere. It should shine everywhere we go, okay? That's, yes, obviously, that's, that's what should happen. But it starts locally. It starts in Durango. It starts in Bayfield. When Jesus says Jerusalem, he's talking about your circle of influence. He's talking about the people that you come in contact on a regular basis. People that you encounter. What, what if we did this? Let me, let me just throw this out as an idea. What if you personally, what if I did this as well? We all did this. What if we each wrote down four to eight? Okay, let's say in that range, four to eight different people in our lives that we interact with on a regular basis. But these four to eight people are, are we could say they're unchurched. Okay, they're, they're not in church, they're not really pursuing the things of Jesus. And we wrote down four to eight different people. Imagine like if we all did this, even you online, okay? You wrote down four to eight different people in your life that you interact with on a regular basis. Maybe if you're a teacher, it could be one of your students. Um, maybe it's a coworker, um, a close friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone that you play sports with someone that you coach, but it's, it's someone that you encounter on a regular basis. So what if we wrote down these four to eight different people and we began to pray for them? Like, specifically praying for them, which means we started kind of watching and listening to what was going on in their life. We began to kind of put ourselves in their shoes and we began to, uh, to really listen and, and be watchful for pivotal moments in their lives. For example, like maybe you, you hear that one of these people that you wrote down, maybe they experienced a death in their family and they had the loss of a loved one. Or maybe you hear that they had a job promotion. Or maybe you hear that they're about to get married or whatever it may be. You, you hear, you catch wind that something big's about to happen in their life or maybe they're going through some hardships and you're praying for them specifically and you're reaching out to them, and you're sending them cards, and you're, you're ministering to them, specifically those four to eight different people in your life. And what if not only praying for them, but what if in your prayer time, you began to ask God to give you opportunities to witness? What if you began to pray and say, God, please give me the opportunities to testify about what you've done in my life? Lord, help me to be aware of those situations or those moments where I can actually share my story with my friend and not try to, you know, convince them into heaven and not preach at them, but just to share with them about what I have seen, what I have heard, what I have experienced. And what if we all did that? Imagine what could happen. I think the light of Jesus would begin to spread here locally like we've never seen it before. And just four to eight people, okay? And I'm not very good at math. I went to Bible college, okay? But imagine if all of us, four to eight people, those of us that are watching online, four to eight different people, imagine the ripple effect that could have. You know what 
concerns me, though, about this idea, what concerns me is, I think far too many Christians, they, they overcomplicate things. <laughs> All right? Yeah, we Christians, we might have a little bit of a reputation of overcomplicating things. Instead of sharing what you have seen or what you have heard or what you have experienced, I think a lot of times we begin to try to theologize people into heaven. We feel like we have to answer all of their questions. I have to convince them with my amazing theology so that they are impressed with Jesus and that they give their lives to Jesus. I have to convince them into heaven. Or sometimes we feel like, man, we have to get into this debate with our friends and we have to win the debate. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I've ever seen someone win a debate, okay? It doesn't work. I mean, my gosh, did you see the presidential debate? What a train wreck that was. Nobody won, all right? It was a mess. That's what happens in people's lives when they start debating or trying to convince each other of what they believe and what they think. You see, people don't need winsome theology. What people really need, what they're really looking for, is authentic faith. I believe what people are really looking for is real. They want to see real. They want to see real people showing real love, demonstrating real faith, and real people who are pointing others to a real Jesus. You see, when it, when it, when it comes to being a witness... God is, is very clear in, in helping us to understand He doesn't want you to be like someone else. He doesn't want you to try to teach or to communicate like someone else. He doesn't want you to, um, you know, to, to be like anyone else. He, he wants you to be you. And you have, you, you have a thumbprint that nobody else in the world has. You have, you have a story that nobody else has. You have experiences that nobody else has experienced. And God wants to use that story, use those experiences. And people are hungry for real. They want to see real. I call this local missions. It's being who you are. The way God has gifted you. It's using your passions, your passions and your talents and your abilities. And you're leveraging that for those who are far from Jesus. I want us to, to understand this, and I'm so passionate about this. I, I want us to get a clear picture, and so I'm going to give us a couple examples this morning of, of what this could look like. A couple of, of ways that people right here in Grace Church are practicing or are doing local missions. Real people with real faith, showing real love, pointing people to the real Jesus. Consider uh, Brad Harper and Cole Davis, all right? Two men in our church who I love dearly. Uh, man, they both have a strong faith, and they're doing their best to lead their families well, and, and they're both outdoorsmen, okay? They're hunters. They, they love to be outdoors. And amen, all right. Man, I knew I'd get an amen there. Thanks, Tex. It's awesome. 
But they have a passion, and they're really good at it. And they decided, let's, let's leverage, let's use something that we enjoy for something way bigger. And so, Brad and Cole, they both volunteer for Outdoor Buddies. It's, it's the only organization in Colorado that focuses on hunters with disabilities or even at-risk youth. And they, what they do is they usually take a, a disabled hunter out for two mornings or two evenings, and they go and they do big game hunts over the course of a weekend. And they take um, a disabled hunter who isn't able to go out on his or her own, and they help them to experience something that they couldn't normally experience. And we have a picture of them right here. And uh, I wanted you to visibly see this, this is local missions. This, this, is, this is what I'm talking about. You're actually using something that God has placed in your hand, and you're turning around and saying, how can I use this for something greater? This is local missions. Real people living out real love, showing real faith, pointing people to the real Jesus. This is local missions. Another example, we have small groups here at our church. We have a few different small groups that meet um, <clears throat> throughout the area. and We have a small group that um, took it upon themselves to provide a wonderful Christmas for a family in our community. So they knew about a family that was in need. And so what they did is they said, hey, if, if all the kids could just make a wish list, like they were sending it to Santa, just give us what they would want for Christmas and dream big, you know, think big. And if you could give us that list and we'll, we'll help Santa out a little bit, all right? And so this small group, they provided this family that was in need. Um, basically, they checked off every box on the wish list, all right? These kids got hooked up, all right? They're going to have an awesome Christmas. And we actually have a picture of some of the things that they got. And, and this is just a, a little bit of what's coming their way, but... This is awesome. It's fun. It's creative. That's local missions. Okay? See, local missions can actually be very fulfilling. It's like, wow, I'm actually ministering to people, helping people, meeting needs. You can be creative and, and think outside the box. And, man, it's, it's actually an enjoyable. It makes you feel good. The scripture is true. Let me just be honest with you. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Real people showing real love with real generosity, pointing people to the real Jesus. This is local missions. What about our hope team? Right? We have three awesome ladies who are volunteering their time to um, to really manage the, the monies that come in for the hope offering. So whenever the pastor team gets a need, um, whenever we have someone that comes in um, in the doors and, and they're really struggling, we refer them to the hope team and they follow up on their story. They hear about what's going on in their lives and, and then they recommend to the pastor team how to move forward in helping the individual or the family. These ladies are doing an incredible job of giving hope to situations that are really hopeless sometimes. Giving a little bit of light 
in some really dark areas. The Hope Team has blessed people with food boxes and grocery gift cards, and they've helped people with rent and bills. And What it is, is it's real people showing real love through real generosity, pointing people to the real Jesus. This is local mission. Listen, these are just a couple of ways that I wanted to to share with you to kind of demonstrate or to show what local missions is all about. When Jesus said, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, then I think he took a breath, and then he said, in Jerusalem, they were standing in Jerusalem. He's saying, hey, right where you're at locally, that is a great place to start. Let's start right here in Durango, right here in La Plata County. These are just a couple ways. uh, I had to mention just a couple others, though, because I I am stinking proud of Grace Church. (laughs) I love being your pastor. I love bragging on you. People say, what do you do for a living? I'm like, I pastor a fantastic group of people. That's what I do for a living because they're awesome, they're generous, they give and they give. But we've done church at the Wild Horse. Uh, Brooke and Angelica, they led the GLOW event, ministering to, to women in our community, just kind of pampering them for a day. Um, different groups and families in our church uh, reaching out to their neighbors. I mean, there's just story after story that I could tell and I could share about people in Grace Church that are ministering to their neighbors and reaching out to their neighbors. The point I'm trying to make is this. Real people showing real love, living by real faith, pointing people to the real Jesus. This is local missions. But there's a catch to all of this. You're like, oh, I knew it, man. I knew that's churches. There's always a catch, you know. Where am I supposed to give? You know, I'm just kidding. All right, that's not the catch. In order for us to be effective at ministering to our circles of influence, in order for us to to do local missions really well, we have to be confident. When I say we, I mean you as an individual. I'm, I'm looking at a mirror right now. I have to be confident. You have to be confident in who God has made you to be. In order for you to be a witness in Durango and in Bayfield, in order for you to do local missions really well, you have to be confident, you need to be confident in who God has made you to be. I want to show you something in in Matthew chapter 22. And in this chapter, written by Matthew, the disciple of Jesus, we see some more powerful words that Jesus spoke. And and by the way, pretty much every time Jesus talks, it's pretty powerful. All right, I have to just say that. All right. But in these words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 22, he sets a clear course for all of us who would say that we are followers of Jesus Christ. And instead of getting caught up in theology and instead of, you know, being focused on your pet doctrine that you're trying to convince the whole world to get, get in line with you, you know, Jesus says, hey, there's actually two things that I want you to focus on. He gives two things to help set the course, to kind of use as a guidepost, okay, two different 
things that we can stay focused on. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Okay, here's our first guidepost. Man, we need to have a real love for the real God. We need to love God. And then he says in verse 39, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 40 is just mind-blowing. Okay, The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you grew up in church like myself and Maybe you've heard these verses in Matthew 22 hundreds, if not thousands of times. Maybe this is the first time you've ever watched church online. Maybe this is the first time you've ever been in a church service and you're hearing it for the first time. But just a couple weeks ago, I was reading these verses again and I was struck with a new perspective. That's what's so awesome about God's Word is it's alive You could read a verse for a hundred times, and on the hundred and first time, you see something new. But God showed me something new. What He showed me is, Justin, in order for you to love your neighbor well, you actually have to love yourself. I have to be confident in who God has made me to be. I have to respect who I am in Christ. You see, if I doubt myself, if I lack confidence to step out in faith, if I'm full of all this negative self-talk and I'm just constantly kind of putting myself down or not thinking I'm worthy or I'm not good enough, I will not be an effective witness to those around me. I will not love my neighbors well. Love your neighbor as yourself. If I'm not confident in who God has made me to be, I will not love my neighbor well. If I don't respect myself, I won't respect my neighbor. Okay, just a couple of questions. Like, what, what if the way you treat yourself is a reflection of how you treat other people? What if the way you treat yourself is a reflection of your witness? Now, of course, all right, I know there's some of you, man, this, this idea could lead to pride, it could lead to selfishness. Some of you are like, man, this is like borderline heresy. Like, you're supposed to love yourself. Like, Come on, man, is this a self-help book that you read recently? It's like, no, this is the words of Jesus. He's the one that said, love your neighbor as yourself. Because I know a lot of people, (laughs) I know a lot of people who have a very negative self-image. And if only they could realize that they were created in the image of God. 
I know a lot of people who lack the confidence to speak up about anything, let alone the things of God. I know a lot of people who are always afraid because they continually doubt themselves or they they continually listen to the accuser, the Scripture says, the enemy who is constantly putting them down, constantly saying, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you're not able, you can't do that. Everybody will think you're crazy. You're out of your mind. You know, And they listen to that voice rather than the voice of God where God says, hey, come on, step out in faith. Listen, I truly believe the healthiest place you can be as an individual, the healthiest place you can be as a child of God is actually in a place where you agree with God on who He has made you to be. Danielle Strickland actually said it this way. She said, the definition of humility is agreeing with God on who He has made you to be. When you're in this place where you know your identity is in Christ, you're no longer comparing yourselves to everyone. You, you no longer are trying to be like this man or, or this woman or you know, this leader that you look up to. You're not, you're not trying to, to be someone that you're not. You're actually confident in who God has made you to be. And now you're in a place where you can be bold, you can be courageous, you can step out in faith because you know who you are in Christ. I believe all of this begins by admitting your need for a Savior. When you know who you are, you know how desperately needful you are. When you know who you are, you know that you need a rescuer. You need a Savior. It starts by admitting your need for a Savior, knowing that you need Jesus, knowing that without Jesus you can do nothing. And then you put your faith in Jesus. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, indwells inside of your life. And now you begin to walk out your life. The Scripture says you begin to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. You, you begin to see everything differently. So, I mean, the opportunities that are in front of you, even simple things like going to the grocery store or helping your neighbor, you know, shovel their driveway. or I mean, you begin to see everything through a new lens, through a new perspective. And they, it all becomes opportunities to demonstrate real love and to point people to the real Jesus. And it's in this place that we can truly begin to love our neighbors as ourselves. I'm telling you, you will not be a good witness if you don't respect who you are in Jesus Christ. You will not be a good witness if inside you are a mess and broken and bitter and angry. What's the old saying? Hurt people hurt people. So I truly believe in order for us to be good witnesses, And we have to get healthy on the inside. We have to get healthy mentally. And then we can move forward from an incredibly confident and powerful place.
And listen, all of this is made possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Let me just tell you, Jesus knew who He was. He was confident in who He was. He knew why He was here on this earth, and He fulfilled His purpose. And we are to be like Jesus Christ. He wasn't wavering. He wasn't like, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm this person one day, I'm this person the next day. No, He was confident in why He was here. And He did what God called Him to do. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for your lives. In Christ, we get to respond to what He has done. And let me just tell you, Christ has done it. Like, you don't need to do earn anything to earn salvation. He's already paid the price in full. All you have to do is humble yourself and put your faith in Jesus Christ. The work of salvation is done. Christ has paid it all. And what we get to do is we get to respond to what He has done by doing. Faith without works is dead. And so we get to respond by loving our neighbors, by ministering to people, by being generous, by walking in faith, by being real people who demonstrate real love, showing real generosity, living by real faith, pointing people to the real Jesus. Listen, in Christ, we agree on who Christ has made us to be. And in this place, you can truly love your neighbor as yourself. This is local missions. This is what local missions is all about. When people see authentic, real faith, they are drawn to that. They want that. They want to see real. And if you're watching online this morning, those of you that are here in person, if you've never taken that step, you're like, Justin, you know, I, I actually haven't seen, I haven't heard, I haven't experienced God's power because I, I don't know God. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you, today could be the day of your salvation. Today you could take a step and put your faith in Jesus Christ. And right now online there's a little hand that you can raise you can say, man, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And we have some hosts who are ready to, to pray with you. It'll actually take you to a tab that says, I want to pray with a host. I want to request prayer. And someone will pray with you and show you more about how you can know Jesus Christ. If you're here in person and you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ, we have some awesome volunteers who are going to be in a prayer room right outside of this room. And they would love to pray with you and show you from God's word how you can be saved, how you can... Um, be set free from your brokenness this very day. If you would just like prayer, I want to invite you to request prayer online or you can go to the prayer room. And we all need to just encourage one another. We need to support one another. And I pray that today some people will make the decision to follow Jesus Christ. I pray that some today some people will make the decision, man, I need to get healthy internally. My mind isn't healthy. I'm, I'm broken inside, and I, I need to be able to have a, a respect for myself. I need to, to know who I am in Christ so that I can better effectively witness to those around me. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, man, thank you. Thank you for reminding me afresh and anew that I, 
I need to be right internally. I need to, to make sure I'm confident in who you've made me to be so that I can more effectively witness to those around me. Father, I know the heart of this church, we, we want to be a light in this community, in, in Bayfield, in this, in this region. But it's not going to happen if, if we don't uh, individually have respect for ourselves, if we don't know who we are in Christ, if we're not confident. God, help us to get to a place where we are healthy spiritually so that we can in turn be greater witnesses for you. And Lord, help us to be able to testify, to be able to witness to the things that we have seen, the things that we have heard, and the things that we have experienced. Help us to move forward in incredible faith. And I pray that some of the examples I shared today would just be kind of like the tip of the iceberg, you could say. I pray that, man, local missions would just increase tenfold, Lord, throughout Grace Church. And people individually would write down the names of four to eight people that they want to begin praying for and ministering to and just showing kindness to and generosity. And Man, I just pray that local missions would spread like wildfire throughout this region. And the result would be everyone would look to the real Jesus to find their hope and their salvation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.